The Bible reading for this the Bible reading for this morning is Acts chapter 16 beginning at verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her own owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned round and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realised that their hope for making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowds joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. 
Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Thank you, Denise. All right, good morning, everyone. Um, I've had an encouraging week. I always get an encouraging week because I get to uh, read the Word of God. I get paid to read and study the Word of God, which is a lovely thing. So thank you for that. Uh, and, but this week I, um, I heard a lot of your stories. So many of you shared something of your own, you know, w- photos of when you became Christian. Have a look at, have a look at this array of um, odd bods, really, you know. Uh, no, no, just a real variety of brothers and sisters. And it's just wonderful to hear of when they became Christians uh, and what were the circumstances and uh, just a delight to have this sort of diversity in our church life. So I'm going to share some of these stories with you along the way. Uh, do you recognise any photos there? Yes, yeah, some you might, some you might. Uh, and some of those photos you think, oh yeah, I could imagine, that's the sort of person I could imagine becoming a Christian. But some of them you look and you go, well, that's the last person that I would have expected to become a Christian. And this is the wonderful thing about God. He delights in surprising us. Uh, he delights to choose the people we'd least expect. So that you, it's not, you can't look out and go, oh, that's, that's a, pure, a great candidate to become a Christian. God delights to choose all kinds of people. So I'm going to lead us in prayer that God will press these truths onto our hearts today. Let's pray. God, our Father, we do thank you that you do take us by surprise, that you bring salvation to the ends of the earth, uh, to the people that we might least expect, uh, that you've delighted to save us and brought us into a family of brothers and sisters. And we thank you so much for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are in the book of Acts. So we've seen uh, the gospel move out from... Jerusalem, this is God's mission. So it starts in Jerusalem uh, and then it moves out to the surrounding areas to Samaria. And then with Paul and Barnabas, it sort of takes a new uh, scope uh, to the ends of the region of Turkey, to the region of Galatia. Uh, That was their first mission. Um, But in chapter 16, Paul embarks on his second missionary tour. Starts in Antioch, so Antioch was his home base. And firstly, he goes and visits the cities that have already become uh, established with churches in them. 
but then he's going to push into new territory. So that you get the feeling, <clears throat> as you read this, that Paul wanted to head to Ephesus, to the region known as Asia. Um, but look at verse 6. So open up your Bible to Acts 16, verse 6. It says, Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, <clears throat> they turn aside. Now, I don't know how the Holy Spirit stopped them, what were the circumstances, but instead they turned towards Bithynia, uh, up to the north. That's where they thought they were needing to head next. But verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. <coughs> Sorry, I take a little while to get warmed up. Okay. Uh, they passed by Mysia, went down to Troas, and during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready to want, at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so this is when the gospel breaks into Europe for the first time. But Troas, do you know what Troas is? It's right just down the road from Gallipoli, if you want to sort of orientate yourself. Uh, but the gospel spreads across to Europe. Now, here is a question. How did Paul know the Spirit didn't want them preaching in Ephesus or Bithynia? What indication did he have that the Spirit was saying, no, don't go to those places? Now, the answer is we're not told. Uh, so we don't know whether it was circumstantial, whether there were no camels going you know, to, to Ephesus that day or, you know, the, we just don't know what the circumstances were. Did they have a vision like the man from Macedonia? Uh, we don't know, but we do know that Paul had decided to preach the gospel around the region of Ephesus, but God's timing was not the same as Paul's timing. And so instead of Paul feeling discouraged or feeling disappointed, he just presses on. His, his desire to preach in Ephesus was good and godly, but he doesn't treat it as a, as a setback. He just presses on. They move on to the next region. They move on to the next region. Uh, and it shows you that ultimately, Paul is not in control of this mission. This is God's mission, God's timing, and God is very much in control. <clears throat> and I just want to say for us, sometimes we set out to do something for God and the door is closed on that. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, don't be disappointed. Don't be uh, discouraged. Don't feel like God has abandoned you in that endeavor. He closes one door and he'll open another door. And so what we need to do, rather than being discouraged and downhearted, is we just keep pressing on. We say, all right, God doesn't want me to serve in that area. I'll press on and serve him in this part of my life or in this field of endeavor. Uh, and we need to just keep on Pressing on like Paul did, God has work for us uh, and he will guide us and lead us. He will close some doors. He will open other doors. Let's trust him uh, in that journey. Uh, and praise God, salvation comes to Europe and the city of Philippi is where I want to focus our attention because that's the most of uh, Acts chapter 16. During Paul's stay there, we hear of three very different people who become Christians. First is Lydia. So when Paul enters Philippi, what's the first thing he does? You normally go to the synagogue, but presumably there were not enough Jews in Philippi to run a synagogue. So he goes to the place of prayer. 
uh, and that's down at the river. He meets a lady named Lydia who's not actually a Jew, but she's one of these uh, Gentiles who was very um, aligned to the people of God, a God-fearing Gentile. She's one of the women praying there. She opens the local... Uh, so she owns the local spotlight store. She's a um, dealer in purple cloth and so on. She becomes a Christian and her whole household are baptised into Christ. Second person to become a Christian is very different. She is a slave woman, some sort of fortune teller. And it seems like she has some sort of real supernatural power, uh, probably because she is possessed by a demon Uh, Her reaction to Paul is utterly bizarre. She follows him around for days, shouting at the top of her voice, verse 17, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now that sounds like good advertising to me, because that's exactly what Paul is, a servant of God, telling the way to be saved. But God doesn't need demons to testify to his work, does he? Uh, he doesn't need evil, the testimony of evil spirits because they are unreliable. And so after a few days, Paul has had enough. He drives the demon out of her and she's released from her bondage to the demon and presumably she becomes a follower of Jesus. Now the third convert is different still. See, when the owners of the slave girl become... Uh, when, sorry, when the owners of the slave girl realise that their, their slave girl no longer has the power to tell fortunes, you know, presumably because the demon's now been driven out of her. They are angry because their ability to make money has been impacted. So they stir up trouble. Paul and Silas are stripped, beaten, thrown into the highest security prison in Philippi. The prison guard was probably a veteran, soldier, tough and hard. And there in the middle of the night in the prison, as we, as we experienced earlier on, Paul and Silas are singing songs of thanks and praise to God. Uh, what a great thing to do in the darkest hour is to, is to pray, to call out to God, to, to remember the great things and his power and his goodness. And the other prisoners are listening in and suddenly there's an earthquake. Their chains are broken. They are free to escape. The jailer wakes up, starts to come to terms with what's happening. He assumes all the prisoners have escaped. And he is ready to commit suicide at this point. Then he hears the voice of Paul, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer is overwhelmed and this really is a trigger uh, for him. He falls on his knees and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's every Christian's dream to have someone fall before you. What must I do to be saved? I hope you're ready to answer someone if they asked you that. Because you wouldn't want to miss that opportunity, would you? And they answer, believe in the Lord Jesus. Here's the answer, right? Just if you quick answer, right? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and all your household. Pure, simple, true gospel. They don't add a whole lot of things. That you don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to obey the law of Moses. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And that very night, the jailer and his family are baptized and welcomed into the family of God. Now, it's interesting, during the time of Paul, there was a prayer that some Jews prayed every day. Uh, And it's an odd prayer, and it's certainly not a Christian prayer, but it went like this. God, I thank you that I'm not a woman. I thank you that I'm not a slave. And I thank you that I'm not a Gentile. Um, Three groups of people so often despised 
women, slaves and Gentiles, as the gospel comes to Philippi, who are the first people? Saved, woman, slave, a Gentile. Uh, and this is, this, God is just showing that he embraces everyone. Uh, and he doesn't go to the Jewish men uh, and save them. He saves all, all sorts of people. Uh, and so just before Paul and Silas left Philippi, they gather with them all, they share a meal. This is the new family of Christ which has been established in Philippi and there's great joy. Now this is one of the things I love about our church is diversity. We have so many people from so many different backgrounds. So when I put out my, uh, a bit of an email this week, uh, here are some of the sort of responses I got. So here's, do you remember Sonia Edwards? This is sort of 17 years ago. First lady, first person to become a Christian at the lakes. There is Daniel. He's about to be married uh, in, in the next few months. Uh, so it was a letterbox drop. Someone put a letterbox thing in her mail. She came along to Simpler Christianity, became a Christian. Within the next year or so, she invited Rayanne along. And then Rayanne came to Simpler Christianity uh, and became a Christian. And then a, a number of years later, Jason finally gave in and started coming along <laughs> as well. Uh, here's Winnie. Uh, she grew up in Singapore and it was an Indian lady in Geelong who brought the good news of Jesus to her. Winnie's husband has a great story. He was on um, an experience of drugs and his friend who he's doing drugs with talked about the end times and it scared him so much that he started looking into Christianity. That is a good story, isn't it? Um, or there's Mickey. Uh, cried out to God in a time of great need and experienced God's answers to her prayer and she's been coming along. She's uh, with us in Simpler Christianity this morning, I believe. And we heard from Shell earlier. So Shell over there, uh, here he is, a uh, rough-looking fella. Uh, so Shell sort of, his story reminds me of the Philippian jailer. It says, it looks like it says Kel, but it's Shell. Is that right? Okay, so... Okay, okay, so I missed an L. It's K-J-E-double-L. Yeah, okay, pronounced as shell. Um, so he was sort of um, running away from God. He'd sort of uh, drifted from God throughout his life. Uh, but a number of things God said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let you go. And so one of those events was in a doctor's waiting room, sitting in a doctor's waiting room. His name was mistakenly called up early. Uh, so to his surprise, to the nurse's surprise, he got up. A minute or so later, a car came crashing through the doctor's, uh, the waiting room, took out the wall where Shell had been sitting only minutes earlier. And, uh, and at that point he goes, oh, okay, God, you've got my attention. Uh, and so that's part of his journey back to God. Now, you don't, you don't want to leave it to that sort of thing, do you? Right? If you know you need to come back to God, do it today. Uh, you don't need an experience like that, but, but uh, isn't it lovely? So the gospel of Jesus is for everyone. It's for your neighbours, your workmates, your school community, the guys at the pub. It's for the people in the nursing home, the kids at the skate park. Yes, the gospel is for all. Um, and so we need to take that to heart. And that needs to be part of our attitude to our community. Our community needs saving. And we have the message of salvation. Now, Paul left Philippi under a bit of uh, persecution. 
uh, and he went into Thessalonica, just down the road. He only spent a few weeks in Thessalonica, but during that time, a small church was established. Uh, And then some Jews stirred up trouble and he had to flee that city as well. But I want to read 1 Thessalonians chapter um, chapter 2. It's in your outlines there. I want you to listen to this beautiful letter that was written only months after Paul left Philippi. Listen to what he says. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil, our hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Isn't that beautiful? Um, in the midst of persecution, this, this Christ-like love of Paul as he brings the gospel and he shares his life leaves a deep, deep impact in Thessalonica so that they have a deep bond uh, as Christian brothers and sisters. Uh, And many of our members became Christians through a similar ministry, through a loving, faithful, committed ministry of other people. So here's here's one, Beck Baker. So Beck Baker had walked away from God and uh, she had then returned to church as a single mother, um, feeling like she had really blown it in her relationship with God and she was so warmly welcomed by that church and built up and encouraged uh, that that was a key part of her returning to God and knowing that she'd been forgiven uh, and embraced by God. Here's Ron uh, and uh, Jenny and Bev and Gordon had a, a, a deep impact on him coming to know the Lord Jesus. Noreen, it was her sister So Noreen was from a pagan background in Borneo. Her sister became a Christian and then in time led her to the Lord Jesus. This is Nick and Tennille. Um, So Tennille was a Christian, but one of those straying sort of Christians. Nick Nick, um, was uh, surfing with a bunch of Christian surfers. And over time, they led him to know the Lord Jesus and just persisted in inviting him to things and that that church was so warm and loving and caring to them it's in a key part of their journey and here's jeff not uh when he, and and his story is like so many of our stories and that is a godly mother persisted in loving him sharing the gospel with him and showing him what it looks like uh to follow jesus uh and that is the sort of faithful ministry that we want to embrace, not just as parents, but all of us, hey, in our love for one another, in our care, in our acceptance for one another, we communicate not just with our lips, but with our lives, what it is to follow Jesus. All right, come on to the model response, which is the Bereans. So they they flee Thessalonica, they come to Berea. Verse 11, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness 
and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed. Now, great example. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to challenge you to be like the Bereans, right? So many people respond to the message of Jesus in a prejudiced way, in a reactionary way, without ever looking at the evidence. But what the Bereans did is they honestly, diligently evaluated the claims of Jesus and worked it out for themselves. They didn't just rely on rumor. Uh, they, didn't, they weren't reactionary. You see what I'm saying? They, they looked into it carefully. And I want to say to you, make an informed decision for yourself. Don't listen to what the media say. You've actually got to work out who is Jesus and what are you going to do uh, with his claims on you. Now, I've got a few uh, examples of people who went through this journey. So here is Christina. Uh, Christina, you went to boarding school, yeah? And so at boarding school in year 12, some of the ladies from the local area started doing Bible studies with some of the girls from your year, yeah? Uh, and over that time of them loving them and sharing the word of God with them, she came to Christ. Hallelujah. Uh, this is Jane, uh, Jane McIntosh. Uh, is Jane here this morning? No, she's not. Um, she had her hair dyed red here, but it's normally sort of whitish grey. <laughs> um, she, she was on... No. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's, uh, she was on a kids' holiday program at age 15, and it was called this kids' holiday program, the Daily Vacation Bible School. There's a marketing exercise, isn't it? But clearly, like there would have been games, no doubt. But you can see the focus of that holiday club. It is to learn the Bible, uh, and over time, she became persuaded. In the, the, that Jesus is not only her saviour, but also her Lord, the Lord of all her life. And here is Laura McGonaghy last week. No, 15 years ago. <laughs> 15 years ago. Like, she hasn't changed. And that's Tom. That's Tom in the background, tucking into a burger. Now she, again, she became a Christian. She turned up to uni. Over six months, she was attending church. And it was over the time, faithfully hearing the word of God, faithfully taught, that she was persuaded that it's true, that she needed, needed to follow. So it's a good example to us, isn't it? We don't necessarily need to think that there needs to be a defining moment for someone to become a Christian. Sometimes it's just sitting under the word of God over time and, and bit by bit, the, 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 uh, the conclusion comes that Jesus is Lord and I need to follow him. All right, Paul wasn't there in Berea long before the Jews stirred up trouble. And so he had to flee to Athens. Now, Paul's speech in Athens is such a fantastic speech that we're going to come back to it next week. Um, and so I'm going to try to do my best to emulate Paul uh, at the Areopagus. Father's Day next week, come along. You must bring your family and your friends and your neighbours and anyone who will come with you because it is a great opportunity for them to hear the gospel. Right? So you want to say, I'm going to take this opportunity. Now, heaps of our church became Christians because someone invited them to hear the gospel preached, just like you are going to do this week. Invite people to hear the gospel preached. So, Mirzi, have a look at this. 
lurking in the trees. 1959, Billy Graham. Uh, look at this w- lovely couple. Anyone read Daphne and Arva Nicholson. Um, Daphne said, I met a wonderful, handsome Christian farmer. Who was that, by the way? Just <laughs> uh, Who believed in God with all his heart. And she made a commitment at the Billy Graham Crusade in 1969. Have a look at this guy. Andy Powell. Whoa. <laughs> uh, Billy Graham Crusade 79, as with Wayne Charters, who I don't think is with us this morning, and Phil and Alison Owers. Um, so I'm not promising next week that I'll preach the gospel as powerfully as Billy Graham. I'm no Billy Graham. But it will be the same gospel, and it will be the same powerful word that can bring people from death to life. And um, what we need to do is put confidence in the word of God, not the speaker you know, who has the runs on the board, but put confidence in the word of God that it will do God's work in the lives of his people and relentlessly seek to share that message and invite people to hear it. Bring your friends and family along. Now, come over to uh, the they, they next shift to Corinth. Now, Corinth was a city known for its sex, idols and drunkenness. And Paul stays there for 18 months, not to do any of those things. Um, He starts in the synagogue as usual, but the Jews became angry and abusive. He's kicked out, so he sets himself up next door. Um, The synagogue ruler becomes a Christian. And the Jews continue to openly attack him and violently persecute him. That's the character of his ministry throughout this whole missionary journey. Lots of fruit of people coming to Christ, but lots of persecution from either the Jews who were jealous or Gentiles who were losing money. Um, And so there was opposition. I want you to have a look at verse 9. We're going to come back to Ephesus in a couple of weeks' time, but verse 9. One night the Lord spoke to Paul. This is chapter 18, verse 9. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. No one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. I love that reassuring word from God. I have many people in this city. So just press on. You know the, um, the gold digger up in the hills you know how they keep at it year after year why do they keep at it they keep at it because they're convinced there's gold in them bar hills right and so i'm gonna i I know it's there i'm just gonna find it and i may be as poor as anything but i know there's gold now paul is like the gold digger right he knows that god's people are out there he just needs to preach god's word and flush them out what's the difference between him and the gold digger Yeah, so gold digger is wishful thinking. Uh, For Paul, he has the clear word of God reassuring him, this is the reality. I have many people, so press on. Don't let the persecution get you down. I have many people in this city. And that's our job here on the Central Coast. God has those who he will draw to himself. We just need to relentlessly, persistently, lovingly bring the word of God to the people of our region, and God will bring his people to himself. 
uh, his people will hear his word. God will give them a soft heart and they will receive it. Um, so I want to tell you a few stories of perseverance. Uh, have a look at this one. Sue Bock, how cute is she? Still today as, as ever. Um, so seed was sown at Tawoon Bay Beach Mission way back and then over a number, so over a number of years and at Teachers College. Have a look at this couple. Dennis and Gail, again at Beach Mission. Now, Hawks Nest Beach Mission 2008, the next week they started attending the lakes and they've been coming ever since. Now, th- those who go on Beach Mission, it, it, it's a, um, it sort of feels like, oh, it's, it's a slog. I'm, it must feel like a slog. You know, you've got to go and set up all the tents. You do the 10-day mission, pack it all down, and you sort of think, is this bearing any fruit for God's kingdom? And the, the answer is yes, yes. Just that persistent, loving perseverance bears fruit. Um, Jackie Linnett shared a story where it was the local Anglican minister knocking on the doors. He was knocking on all the doors at Marty and knocked on her door and she started investigating Christianity from there. Russell Kirkland was on a youth camp. Where on your Russell? Good looking guy ever, as ever. Uh, Laurie, it was a youth camp. Um, Andrew Marjorie was an outreach talk. Um, so much of our persistent work amongst our youth bears fruit. And we've just got to keep remembering that and, and acknowledging the fruit of God through our ministries. Um, Robert Dybal. Uh, I want to come on to Darren Sydenham. Robert Dybal, it was the radio. Darren Sydenham, he was playing touch football with a bunch of Christians, but nobody ever invited him to come along to church. That's pretty sad, isn't it? And he decided he was going to go along, and then one of the guys plucked up the courage to actually invite him, and he said yes. Uh, And God was already a long way down the track of bringing him to himself anyway. But it's a bit of a rebuke, isn't it? Uh, They should have been much more eager to say, hey, come on, come along and join us. Stephen Tracy House. Um, Steve says it was the seventh time he went to an outreach event that he became a Christian. So there's the thing of perseverance. You, keep, you invite someone, but you don't say, oh, they've been once. You invite them again and again. Seven times he had this auntie praying relentlessly in the background and he comes to Christ. And Pat Tawley, the last one. Um, Pat said, this picture is a crucial memory in committing my life to Jesus. <clears throat> it was Salt Camp 2010. Pete Sharman told me the gospel as it is, and then and there I gave my life to Christ. He said, I hope this helps people see how important youth group is. And as it is, I am helping run Salt Camp this very weekend, eight years later. Okay, and we ought to, I'll, I'll pray for Salt Camp uh, in just a moment. Um, but the, the, the youth, our youth ministries bear fruit over time. Uh, And we need to keep pressing at it. And we as a community need to be committed to it, to be praying for it. But if you've got kids, youth youth ministry, kids ministry is your best friend because your greatest desire is your kids to know know and love the Lord Jesus. So you actually want to make sure you prioritize getting them along in a place where they're going to hear God's word. (coughs) All right. Now, when I just... (coughs) Just draw things to a little bit of a conclusion. Um, So God's timing. This is returning home via Ephesus. It's interesting, isn't it? 
In chapter 18, verse 18, Paul leaves Corinth, heads over to Ephesus. The Holy Spirit had prevented Paul going there two years earlier. But now he returns. And a year or so later, Paul would return once more and spend a few years there in Ephesus. And Paul's desire to preach in Ephesus was good and godly, but it was God who was in charge of the timing. And from Ephesus, Paul returned to Jerusalem and then he returned to his home church, Antioch, and this second missionary journey was now complete. <clears throat> now, I want to conclude by saying this. It's an encouraging word, isn't it? And it's encouraging to see God at work amongst us. But here's the, the final slide. God saves all sorts of people today, just as he always has. So what we need to do is trust him, get on board with his plans, uh, if God opens a door for us, we take the opportunity. If he closes a door, don't worry about it. Just press on. Press, uh, keep seeking opportunities to serve him, to be involved in his work. Invite people to hear the message of Jesus and persevere at it. Seek to share the message of Jesus and persevere at it. Uh, next week, you've got Father's Day. You can bring people along to that. You've got the men's event coming up. We keep putting these things and what we need to do is deliberately set aside some time and prayer to get people to come along and hear the message of Jesus because it is the message that saves all kinds of people. Um, and I want, you to, I want to encourage you to share your lives with people as you seek to introduce them to the Lord Jesus. So I'm going to lead us in prayer. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we want to thank you so much for the gospel of Jesus, the good news that saves, uh, that, that Jesus has done all that is needed to bring us forgiveness of sins, to bring us new life, to bring us certainty about the future, uh, to bring us into your family, filled with the Holy Spirit, we call on you as our Father. And Father, we pray that you'll keep impressing on us an urgency that this message needs to be heard by everyone in our region. That you have chosen people that you are going to call to yourself, but you want to use us as your instruments, uh, as the way that you bring your message out. So please help us to be model Christians. You know, we won't always get it right, but help us to love. Uh, help us to lovingly hold out the word of Jesus. Help us to do it persistently, patiently. Help us to persevere at it, uh, knowing that you do bear fruit uh, over time. Uh, Father, we pray even for next week, uh, for Father's Day, for Peter Jensen and the outreach talk he's going to be doing with us, for the men's event, for Good News Week, for our Christmas services. Father, we pray that you'll continue to gather people into your kingdom through the gospel of Jesus and do a mighty work. Please, we pray for our families that you'll have mercy on them. For any who are still wandering astray from you, we pray that you'll have mercy and gather them into your family to trust the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for the kids on Salt Camp right now. Uh, Father, we pray that even this weekend there will be some who make decisions to put Jesus as Lord and Saviour in their lives. 
And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.